Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, O God, for your work. We thank you for your spirit that is Lord over the church. We want to be found blameless at your coming. We don't want to have other priorities. We don't want to be distant and disconnected. We do not want to be devoid of understanding. We do not want to be foolish. Fill us with your spirit at such a capacity that our devotion to you is with such passion that overbears all the foolish men upon the earth who make it their priority to be at other places, at other times, as if it were God. You are God. And you reward those who diligently seek you, Father. And we pray that this word today might be a blessing that prospers us in the direction of God so that we can hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. The measure of God's excellence for all things. As we venture out in our faith to meet you where you want us to meet and to receive that which you want to entrust and to pursue and advance your kingdom in its full measure. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. amen. These two men, Daniel chapter 6 verse 3, said that the stature of their devotion was far more excellent than those that were around them. Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the princes because of an excellent spirit that was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over all the whole realm of his kingdom. Who do you put and entrust with the advancement and establishment of your kingdom upon the earth but he who has an excellent spirit? We are so distant from God, we have uh, come into a mediocre, uh, mediocre spirit. Uh, we're half vested. We go half the distance, but we won't go the full distance. But young men like Daniel distinguished himself. There's something about excellence that sets you above the rest. And there's something about mediocrity. And, and in the realm of mediocrity, I dwelt for a long time. Um, even from the time I was in first grade and second grade, uh, I, I could be an A student. I could be at the top of the class, but I, I sat and conformed to those that were around me. That's why today I truly don't hang out with anyone that is not purpose to give God excellence. I, I don't feel comfortable in hanging out with a turkey because God has called me to soar like an eagle. And I want to tell you that you should use that same measure that is found there in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, where he says, do not deceive yourself. Do not fall into deception. Those you surround yourself with will become the habits that you embrace. So you'll see that there'll be a men's conference and you'll be away from the men's conference hanging out with those that won't be at the men's conference because that's the standard that you have embraced. And I didn't know I was embracing this mediocrity until I was in fourth grade in a Catholic school and this, 
And the head nun called me into her office and she says, Joaquin, you are mediocre. I thought she was calling me a vegetable. I didn't understand what mediocre was. I knew that black people like to eat okra. So I said, media okra. So it was somewhere in the vegetable family. But what she was saying is, why do you settle for less? Why aren't you a champion? Why aren't you at the top of your class? Why don't you represent excellence and superiority? Why don't you distinguish yourself for being that man that God has called you to be? And so for many years, I, I lingered off into that state and that realm that is repulsive to God. I want to tell you, if you find me reverberating with repulse, with, with an attitude of vomit, I want to tell you that that's the spirit of the Lord. In Revelations 3.15, it says, I'd rather that you were hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I want to throw you up out of my mouth. Because you have chose the company of mediocre men and deceived yourself, and you're neither hot nor cold, I wish that you would be on one realm or the other. Revelations 3, verse 15. What is the standard of the mark in which you walk and exist? I know your work, says the Lord, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot, verse 16. I wish you'd just already decide you're not going to be my excellent son and walk in superiority and distinguish yourself from taking priorities. When these two young men, I gave this guy, Sebastian, a Bible about 10 days ago. He has not left it alone for 10 days. His dad says he takes it to the barber, he takes it to the bathroom, he takes it to the school, he takes it wherever he goes, he's on the word of God. And you know who's going to ruin that? A mediocre man. A man who will be substandard, who will take him to other priorities and other streams of entertainment and disconnect, and he will not be able to come up to be a champion in his generation. Because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, the Spirit of the Lord, in this, in this last book of the Bible, he says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. This is not an attractive scene here. We've all seen what it looks like to be repulsed, to be rejected. And that's what God does to men who are in the mediocre realm. I, I don't know who gave us a message that we can be okay people, all right men. Because we have an extreme and radical and excellent God, and he demands for us to be extreme and radical and excellent. You can say amen anytime you want. Because the standard that we mark our children will be the standard that they pursue. And if you conform to this world, you won't be transformed to know what is the will of God. These young men won't even know why God put them upon the earth. Because it's not their priority. They're being disconnected. When you look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, in the Old Testament, there was another man who distinguished himself from being, uh, for being excellent. And he says, my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. You guys know when somebody's dropping the ball and they miss and they miss and they miss? Uh, this week in the presidential debates, I said, Marco Rubio, you've missed 30% of the times you should have been present. And he says, yeah, but that's not the standard you guys kept because Barack Obama missed 60% and you guys endorsed him. So we're living in a generation where men don't have to show up and they continue to be endorsed. 
And I'm telling you, this is not the standard of the Lord. The Lord doesn't play like this. You cannot miss all these games. You cannot miss all these practices. You cannot be absent in these affairs and hear the words, well done. That's not what God is going to do. That's not what he's calling his church to be in the last days. But because he had a different spirit. What was the different spirit about him? He was fully vested to follow the Lord. And so that is why he says, I will bring him into the land. I will bring him into the place I have destined for him and for his descendants to inherit. One of the things that makes me cry is when I'm not living at the standard God is calling me to live and I know my children are going to fall short because they can't come in to follow footprints that aren't there. They can't follow where their father doesn't go. The only thing, I, I go to the dolphin game sometimes and I see these poor men dressed in orange and green and with orange wigs and they're cheering and they're, they don't miss a game and they, they do the tailgate, they do the pregate, they do the postgate, they do the pregame, the postgame, the aftergame. Guess who taught them this? Say with me, their father. They could only follow the footsteps of the man who led them. And so here Caleb and Daniel distinguish themselves from having a different spirit. Those that are fully vested and surrendered to God. So they might receive the inheritance for them and their children. I, I, I want to tell you that I believe that we need to see the standard of God in his whole reality. It says in, in Philippians 1.9 that there, there's a realm of excellence. There's, there's a measure he says, I pray that your love, your, your devotion, your consecration, your passion for God might abound, might grow still more and more. Someone read this to say that it might decrease less and less, that you might not be so radical, that you might not go to the next level of God's calling. Today, we're going to have water baptism. There's some people that are saying, Pastor, I want to go to the next level. I want to go to the next experience with God. If God says to believe and to be baptized, I'm going to go to get baptized because I want to see what God is going to meet with me with. Where he says that not only will he baptize in water, but he will baptize in the spirit of God and in fire. Imagine being baptized in the presence of the living God, but it takes a realm of growth and expansion and desire for excellence. And so he says, I pray that you might, in your love, may abound still more and more. There is nothing more disgusting than, than to see the apathy of a love that wanes less and less in knowledge, understanding, all discernment. Try, try to feel God in the realm of his feeling. Listen, to do church without feeling is to perform a show. That means it's empty. There's no substance there. In verse 10, he continues on to say these words. That you might grow by approving the things that are excellent. Get, get to the level that it's not just good, it's not just great, what is the excellent expression of the things of God? 
so that you may be sincere and with blameless, without offense, when the Lord shows up. I, I want to be on my best game. I want to be fully surrendered when Jesus returns. I want to lack nothing that I can do in my capacity. In every, in every realm. You'll, you'll see this. Um, 2 Corinthians. I got I to gotta find this because this is, this is much too powerful. Let's look for this. This verse of, of these people that are pursuing. I think it's, uh, I'm going to locate it now because this is a verse that came across my heart last week. And, and I was super touched by it because I was talking about. Second Corinthians 8, 7. That, that, that the demands of God upon our life would be to continue to abound more and more. And to be able to approve those things that are excellence. As you abound in everything. As you continue to grow. Your faith today has to be greater than your faith when you showed up to church the first time. To, to have a measure of faith greater than you did the first time means that not only do you have a receiving faith where you are knowing God, but that you're able to give that faith to someone else. How, how are you not sharing being connected with God? He says that you abound towards excellence in your faith in speech, in the words that you speak. This is what we told the men in Fort Myers. That your words will determine the state of your reality. So how about those men that go around saying, I don't know. You don't know. Are you going to be at the men's conference? I don't know. How about for sure? You bet you. I'm committed. There's nothing going to keep me away from that. Change your words and you'll change the expression. We'll see. You know what I say to we'll see and I don't know? To those things that don't concern God. To those things that don't have an internal impact. I want, to, I want my words to be 100% yes in the direction of God. Why? So that when God comes, I'm right there. I'm not anywhere else. I'm not with anyone else. Invite me to do something for God and you're going to see I'm there. Why? Because I want to be where God is. And I want my family to be there. And if I'm not there and I represent my family, how is my family ever going to get there? The lady in our conversation there says, you know something? It really impresses me that you guys are going to do a men's conference. Because when the women have a conference, they will go to Orlando. They will go to California. They will go to New York. They will go to Canada. Nothing's going to keep them away from being at their gathering. And then you do an event for men, and uh, we, we had the pleasant experience that we get there to Fort Myers. 
um, over 1,500 men were invited, and in Fort Myers, 30 men showed up. There's a big, big opportunity for men to come to a men's conference, but they're not going to come because they're going to get more of a demand for excellence. You want to make yourself super unattractive to a woman? Linger with no passion. Now we're going to get into that because there's no way we could get to the level. And, and, and trust me, uh, when I was headed to Fort Myers, my, my passion for God is that when you're a pioneer, there's not going to be anybody there. When they were building the airplane, the Wrights brothers, I have a picture inside one of my desk in my favorite folder where I keep all my, my goodies. I have a picture of a poster with three men over there at the side of North Carolina in the desert, and they were trying to invent the airplane. How many were there? Three men. Why wasn't anybody else there? Because nobody ever thought that men would fly. You want to know how many men are up in airplanes today? Countless hundreds of thousands. Why? Because people want to use things, but they don't want to be at the forefront. Now, I promise you that what happened in the lives of these two young men and my nephew, James, and, and the other men from Fort Myers that did come, because God is no respecter of persons, those men that did come, and even those that went with us, the 45, 50 men that went with us, their lives were transformed Amen. just by participating. Because one day they're going to have to be called by God to do something where no one else is going to be there. But you know who's going to be there? They are. The faithful servant giving excellence. I was telling Richard this morning that in the flesh, in the natural, I would have got back in my car and come back to Miami. And so I'm not going to sit there and, and give excellence to men who don't want it. I said, no. This stuff is being tape recorded. It's going to last for a long time in the hearts of the men that are present. And what's happening in the spiritual climate of the city of Fort Myers. Just declaring the word of the Lord in that city is sufficient for God to say, I'm going to move. Because there's a man there that has faith. The Bible says that because of Noah's excellence, because he moved in the direction of God, God judged the whole world. It only takes one person to move in the direction of God for it to be sufficient. We continue on to pursue this matter. I want to tell you that this has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the quality of my desire. I want to tell you it's the spirit of the Lord. It has nothing to do with me. This exists in the realm of eternity right now. And the reason we don't identify with it, it doesn't rub off on us. If we could identify and rub off with the excellence of God, guess what? what who gets blessed? Those that are in that presence. So Psalm 150, verse 1 and 2 it says, give your best to God. I wonder, I have to believe that there is a realm of your best. If God created you in his image and likeness, then there is something in you that resembles that excellence. So verse 1, Psalm 150 verse 1, it says, praise the Lord. 
Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the realm of his mighty firmament where he dwells. Excellence will cause you to move where God is. To move away from God renders you inept. It, it, it removes you because what he has for you is on a greater realm. And if you're moving away, you're deceived. You're saying there's something better than being where God wants me to be. And so verse 2, it says, In that sanctuary, in that firmament, praise him for his mighty works and to the degree of his excellent greatness. One of the things that we have to do in our pursuit for God is to know that, that where he is it, in, in, is sublime. It's, it's high and lifted up. It's, it's a pursuit. That God reveals himself for those that, that seek him. He'll show his face to those who pursue him. And so we're talking at levels and expressions of greatness we know not. We, we, we're lost. We're disconnected. But up there in a realm where he is, there's mighty works according to the excellence of his greatness. What's that mean? That if you don't meet God at the place where he desires you to meet him, you have a substandard provision of, of his goodness. We're, we're going to say it like this in um, 1 Corinthians. Paul said these words. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, I came to give you guys some serious provision that God has for you. Now, we, the devil has lied to us to make us think that God's provision is boring, that it's religion and theology, so we don't show up. But here, Paul tells these men, he says, when I came, verse 1, 1 Corinthians 3.1 Brethren, I could not speak to you as to people that are in the realm of the Spirit. We said that this morning, Revelations 1.10 I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. So Paul is saying, I wanted to connect you with words, with the exchange of a conversation as to spiritual people, but I could not speak to you in that realm so I had to speak to you as carnal Christians worldly Christians uh, I want to say something I had a secretary in my law practice her son was hired full time <clears throat> he was hired full time by the nightclubs in Miami what was his what was his role they told him you need to fill this nightclub, and we'll give you 30% of everybody who comes. So that man was making flyers and passing out flyers seven days a week because every Friday night, he needed to fill that place. And he needed to do whatever was in his capacity to invite people to come to this nocturnal nightclub. 
When I, when I, I compare, we, we get, to the, we get to, the, to the men's conference in Fort Myers, all the lights in the parking lot are turned off. All the lights on the building are turned off. The bulbs weren't changed on the only sign that the building had. Who is missing there? Who is missing? Men. What I'm talking about, okay, the, the presence of man is one thing. The presence of worldly men, which are more capable of doing for their night kingdom. The parties were thrown last night for Halloween make everything Christian look dumb. Um, I was looking at Heidi Klum. How many know Heidi Klum? She's a model, right? A supermodel. She says, I throw a Halloween party every year. And if somebody dares to come to my Halloween party and they don't have a costume, I don't let them in. What's that say? That, that if she had a church and somebody showed up without their Bible, they're not coming in. The people in the world are more serious to serve darkness than we are about the Lord. They're more serious. They would not allow anything to show a substandard existence. Paul is saying there is a level that qualifies you to have a conversation that's spiritual. I couldn't do it with you. I couldn't. I couldn't participate at that high level. Verse 2. All I could do is feed you milk and not give you. I could give you cafe con leche, but no churrasco. No solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you're still not in the mode. How will God use you if you're disconnected from even the, the beginnings of your participation? You surely cannot engage at the level God wants us to engage. And then I, I want to read this because this becomes part of what we're talking about. Verse 3, for you are still carnal. You're still worldly. You still like and you're impressed to do things that worldly people like and are impressed by. You're not ready to get on God's team. You don't have an appetite for the things of God. You have an appetite for the things of this world. How? Because, look, there's still different differencing measures. You're envious and strife and divisions. You can't do anything with unity. There's no connection with you, brother. If everybody's marching this way, you're going that way. If everybody takes a right, you're taking a left. If everybody sits down, you're standing up. And, and this, this is what God is saying. My whole move upon the earth. I, I want to tell you something, and, and this is serious. The measure of excellence for God is when there is a people that gather together to serve him in unity. You can't because there's independence. There's selfishness. You're not thinking about Sammy and Sebastian. I'm not Sammy, Sebastian and Jonathan. And you're not thinking about James. Most probably in the natural, their father's not here. Most probably. Most probably in the, na in the natural, you're the only expression of a man that could say, but he's not your son. Be there's not a measure of excellence. The measure of excellence is a spirit of adoption where you care about 
Some of you don't even care about your own sons, but, but at least care about the ones that don't have a father. Isn't that sad? And, and listen, this is not me again. This is the spirit of the Lord. This is the measure of excellence. And we flounder around in mediocrity, and we're just a little bit above another person. that says, well, it's not that bad, because at least I go on to Sundays and Wednesday. I'm there, man. That, that's good. That's ordinary. That's common. That's rational, but that's not excellent. Excellence is giving God all that you can give God. You can't give God what you can't give him, but you could definitely give him all that you have. And so in different realms, we need to get there. And I, I, why do I want us to get there? Because I know that there's going to be vast provisions, vast provisions of God. But in Malachi chapter 1, verse 8, he says, don't expect full reward when there's half an effort. When you offer those things that are blind and you sacrifice those things that are substandard, they're not excellent, is that not evil? See, we haven't classified it as evil. God gives you his best and you don't have your best to offer him. What happened? Somebody must have stuck a chip in there to tell you that God can give you his best and you can repay less than your best. You offer him your blind. And when you offer the lame and the sick, is that not evil? Our definitions have to change. If we don't change our definitions, we conform to mediocrity. We could, we could show up half of the time and boy, we're rocking and rolling because we used to not show up at all. If you're not excited about this message, I am. That God might wake us up. Is it not evil? Offer it. Try this at your work. Offer it to your boss. Your governor means your employer. Would he give you thumbs up? Would he be pleased? Are you saying God is pleased? That's the measure. Oh, my wife is happy. Your wife is super happy. But is God pleased? And where have you, what is the realm of his excellence? Would he accept you favorably? Are you going to be able to stand before the Lord when the Lord of hosts says, well done? I don't know that that not be a measure. I can't foresee a school teacher putting well done on a paper that has no response. That is not, that the man didn't even show up. Offer it. Isn't it evil? Where, where in the standard do you place this? Well, it's not evil. A friend of mine says, well, you're being a little bit too harsh. I said, I didn't write these words. Those aren't my words. Well, you're being a little bit too radical. I'm not radical. That's radical. Amen. That he would love a people that didn't love him. He loved us before we, while we were still in our wicked deeds, he loved us and gave his life for us as a ransom. So as he's writing these words there in verse 6, he compares the function. He says, a son knows how to honor his father. How many of you in the natural, if your father would ask you something, there would be no question 
but to move in that direction because you want to honor him. God has lost sight of the fact that, that you no longer honor. He says, um, a son honors his father and an employee honors his employer. If I'm your father, why isn't there honor? And if I'm your master, where is your devotion? Yet you say, in what have we despised your name? They, they, they even say, give us with the realm. Show us where we're dropping the ball. Verse 7, he tells them where. You offer half standard in my altar. What is, what is the sacrifice in the New Testament? It's not goats, and it's not bulls, and it's not ox. It's living sacrifices. It's, Lord, here I am. My time, my devotion, my talents, my treasure. Here it is, Lord. And it's not halfway, people. It's not halfway. It's not mixtured with half effort. It's full, 100%. You defile that which is on my altar. In what have we defiled it? You have said that the table of the Lord is boring. I'm not going to be able to sit next to Dan Marino and Dwayne Wade. I'm not going to be able to sit there in the natural realm. I'm not going to get any, any pleasure derived at this. I'm not going to be serving myself. The table of the Lord is contemptual. It's boring. How have we defiled this? The altar of the Lord deserves no honor, no respect, no reverence. It doesn't move us. Matthew 25, 21, how is the measure, what is the measure to be able to hear the words, well done? Well, what is the measure? Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in those small things. I'm going to make you a prince over many. You were faithful in the little things. You were faithful, 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 faithful. Enter into the Lord's rest. Well done. There's, you didn't drop the ball. You weren't absent. Um, I... I I love to see, because we can't, we can't tell these things until over a time period. It's over a time period that we could begin to judge if we're walking in excellence or if we're dropping the ball. And this is a personal inside scenario. My younger brother told me about two years ago, he says, Joaquin, everyone can miss, but you can't. Everyone could go and find something else to do. But you won't be able to. You guys answer the question, why not? Answer the question, why not, to your own heart. That your sons deserve that you be that person that cannot miss. Cannot stop from showing up. You guys. I know I have three boys, and I'm not going to give them less than what God wants to give them. Some of you guys think that because you're going to have girls, you don't have to have that standard, but your girls are going to marry these guys, and that will be your blood tears for the rest of your life because your daughter will not be able to differentiate between a mediocre, lukewarm indifferent dad because they never saw the real thing. So you think, well, I didn't have boys, so I, no, you, you have it worse than I do. 
So we pray in God's spirit. It's a spirit of excellence that makes us ruler, makes us prince. God gives us things on a, on a realm that is not extravagant and significant because that determines. This man wrote these words. He says, so the origin of boring worship is a failure to see and to feel the greatness of God. When you're not excited about God more than anything else, you have issue, my friend. In other words, there's something more attractive to you than the presence and the mercies and the grace of a mighty God. A person bored with God and excited about the world, if you don't see the greatness of God, then all the things that money can buy become more exciting. If you can't see the sun, you will be impressed by a streetlight. If you've never felt thunder and lightning, you'll be impressed by fireworks. And if you turn your back on the greatness and the majesty of God, you will fall in love with the world and live in the shadows of short-lived pleasures. Malachi 1.13. Why do you say in your heart, this is boring? 1.13. You say, oh, what a weariness. How burdensome this is. You sneer at it. Man, do they really want me to serve God? Do they really want me to move with the men of God? They want me to be a part of what God is doing. And you bring that which is stolen. You're cheating. The lame, the sick, this you bring as an offering. Should I receive this from your hand? Is it, will that be the exchange of my favor upon your life? Are you expecting blessing when you're offering things that are twisted and rotten and half-hearted and mediocre and double-minded? Your yes is no and your no is yes and your maybe is I don't know and I don't know who it is. Paul says these words there. Philippians 3.8, Yet indeed I count all things as garbage so that I can get to the level of excellence. 3.8. Count all things as garbage in exchange for excellence. Can, can we give God his excellent place while we're serving other things? You can't serve two gods. You'll never be able to give God excellence if you negotiate and compromise and you're serving other things. When he says there in uh, Romans 2.18, he says, because you have come to the Lord now, now you, look, there was a time we didn't have a clue. So we're doing everything the world says to do. But now that we're in Christ, we have a clue. We know what's more excellent. And we know his will and we approve of the things that are excellent. Why? Because we've been instructed by the word of God. Amen. We know now what God wants. We, we don't have to leave this to maybe, I don't know. Let me ask someone that will tell me to conform, to compromise, to negotiate so I can feel better. Who are you fellowshipping with that has said you're okay in the expression of that response to God. Today we're supposed to celebrate Jesus on Sunday. We're supposed to know the gauge and the expression. But, but not only on Sunday, seven days a week. Otherwise, when do we do the work of the Lord? If this is enough, if showing up on Sunday at the service is enough, and we don't have to be Friday night 
in Fort Lauderdale, I mean Fort Myers, embracing those people, if we're not doing the work of the Lord, if we think excellence is just showing up on church on Sunday and listening to a good sermon, we're being deceived. I don't want to be there on the day of the Lord with you. Thinking you're, you're going to be embraced and welcomed and have the Lord says, you, you thought you were on the team. Your heart and your actions, they, they, they didn't concord. They, they, weren't, they didn't measure up. You said you were always ready. And every time there was an opportunity, you never played. You never showed up. You always had another plan. You would have people convince you like this out of the opportunity to serve your Lord. Yesterday there was a man. We were sitting at dinner there at that pizza place. The man was throwing a tantrum. Because the facility refused to put the World Series on. Because they had the UM game on. By the way, UM won amazing last night. Amen. That was crazy. But this guy was so upset. He was like, if this was the Super Bowl, they would take off the college games to show the football game. And tonight there's the World Series. And they're not showing. He's throwing a tantrum about a game. I want to see you be so flustered. About the fact that you are not playing on God's team. Instead of bringing good excuses. Listen, we have perfected the art of excuses. Your poor wives. That's in the natural. Imagine Christ in the supernatural. People who denigrate and bring things down to a lower level. Instead of offering him who is high and lifted up. God is high and lifted up. The expression of our worship needs to be up there, people, at its highest level, offering to Him our best. You know to what degree? To your sons see that there's something more important. More important. Then all the other things we serve, those that are addicted to mediocrity, that are half-hearted, double-minded, a house divided will not prosper. You're unable to reach prosperity without increase. Those who serve two masters need to lay one down because you cannot please God and mammon. You cannot walk in that realm. You see all the verses in the Bible that says putting off that which is substandard and moving towards excellence. That's what I pray that, that God would give us today. As you excel in everything, in your faith, in your speech, in your knowledge, eager with all eagerness in love, that you make sure that you excel in the, in the expression and character of being a man of God. First Thessalonians 3.12, he says like this. Let it be the Spirit of God and the presence of God in you that allows you to increase. May the Lord make you increase. Reach levels of excellence and abound in love to one another and to all others just as we are serving you. We're aspiring to that level to be an expression that would be contagious. I want to tell you 
that it's that spirit that has many of us in this church. And it's that spirit that has caused a lot of men to leave this church. A lot of families want to have no conscious reality of the responsibility to give God our best. Our best. And, and guess what? I, I don't believe the devil. I don't believe the devil when he tells me that I can't give God the best. Baptisms are going to be at 4 o'clock and keep us game. I don't believe the devil when he tells me, Joaquin, you can't give God your best. Guess what I tell him? Devil, you, my friend, are a liar. You're a father of liars. There's no truth in you. Here I come, Jesus. Here I come. I'll give my best to my God. How about you? Let's stand. How about you? You know what? Who's waiting for it? Your children. They don't want to see Dwayne Wade dunk the ball. They want to see dad live for his glory, for God's glory. Doing his best to his highest. You can make a lot of money, my friend. I want to tell you that even when Jesus was here, the devil said, if you bow down and worship me, I'm going to hook you up and you're going to have provision. If I were you, I would say no to the glory of this world. I had many opportunities to do a lot of lawyering and make a lot of money. They would never have given me the inheritance of the glory of God upon my life. Amen. Never. A lot of invitations this world will give you. Satan will cause you to bow down and he'll give you every contract in the nation so that you won't be a man. So that you won't be a champion to your family. So you won't be a servant of the Lord. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you that we have an opportunity to come and to celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Man who did not consider it robbery to bow down and to serve and to obey even to the point of death and you exalted him way above every name that could be named in the earth, in heaven, and under the earth. We pray, Father God, that we would move in that same spirit of excellence, not by power, not by might, but by your spirit. It's not our ability, but it's the grace of God that allows us to aspire to an expression of excellence to our God. This world will bow down and serve many things, but we have decided that me and my house will serve the Lord and will give you our best, and with your grace and with your spirit, we will move to please God all the days of our lives and to present our best and to offer our uncompromising, inexcusable, unnegotiated, surrender to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray that the church would be the light unto the world, be the salt of the earth in our expression of worship and devotion so we could hear the words, well done, thou good and perfect, excellence, faithful servant. Enter in the Lord's rest. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.